0: Good morning, church. All right. We're excited to be here today to worship the Lord. And um, as we walked in this morning, I have this sense, like I can feel it in the atmosphere. It's very, cl- it's a clean. There's like this sense of, of openness, this sense of space. And I had this, this, um, I had this, I, I had this vision in my head of, so we were picking up a lot of leaves at our property right now. And the leaves literally coat the grass. And then when you get on that mower and you've got it all hooked up well and you drive, you do that first pass, it just creates this perfectly clean, like, line in the leaves. And I have that sense today. I just have this sense of, or, um, you know, if you have a chalkboard and when I was a kid I would turn the chalk sideways and just fill it, you know, and then you clean away like a one line with water. There's just something about that that feels so good. And I had that sense this morning, this sense of openness, and this sense of unencumbered mm. is the word that kept coming to me, unencumbered. Yeah. And so I'm excited. Um, I feel like there's a sense of joy. Yeah. Um, and that joy and, ha- and like, just happiness, laughing in the face of trial, in the face of hardship, yeah. It's just, I love to do it because I just think it makes the enemy so mad. (laughs) I just think it makes him so angry, and he doesn't even know what to do. He doesn't know what to do. Um, And so I have that sense today of celebration and joy in this really open and unencumbered space that God has prepared for us.
1: Amen. Amen. We'll stand to your feet this morning. We're going to do a call to worship together. It's out of Psalm 7. And as we were praying this morning back there, it was, we're going to turn our morning into dancing. I'm trading it in, guys, today. I'm trading in all the anxiety, the fear, the worry, the care, the concern. Guys, I'm trading it in for joy and for dancing, because we're going to be, the Lord is here. Amen? The Holy Spirit is here. His presence is here. That's why we gather together in His presence, because collectively, His presence is here with us. And I'm so excited for what he's going to do this morning. So we read out of Psalm 7, uh, verse 17, just one verse this morning. Let's read it together on the count of three, and then let's have some joy together. Amen? All right. One, two, three. I will praise praise the the Lord according to his righteousness. And I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Let's sing praises to him. Amen. to read a scripture here out of Psalm 34. It says, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. His ears are open to their cries. Come on, church. His ears are open to... He hears us. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all of their troubles. Church, all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart, and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers Him out of them all. He guards all His bones. Come on, guys. (laughs) Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. But the Lord redeems the soul of His servants and none of those who trust in Him shall be condemned. Thank You, Lord. Not one shall be condemned who puts their trust in Him. And as we get ready to take communion this morning, it is a sign, it is a a symbol of our trust is in Him, and Him alone. Not in a government, not in a job, not even in a family member. Our trust completely and totally in him and in him alone.
0: That song we just sang, it's like a reminder to ourselves. You are worthy. I think that those three words are the three words that come out of my mouth most on a Sunday morning. As I'm worshiping, whatever song we're singing, worthy, 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 worthy. And it's just a reminder to our own selves that he is worthy of everything. He is worthy of our attention. He is worthy of our entire lives poured out. And um, I, I, um, I had this, as we were singing it, I just, in that open space, I just saw like Jesus in the center of it and dancing around, around I think there's not enough dancing around things in these modern times. I think back in olden times, they'd dance around a maypole, you know, and then at weddings, they'd hold hold hands, and they'd dance around the bride and groom and, like, sing. I don't know. I'm getting that from the Little Women movie. But I think that the dancing around, and it wasn't calm dancing. It wasn't appropriate dancing. It 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 was wildness. It was holy wildness. It was joy unleashed. It was unchoreographed, (laughs) and it flowed right. I mean, everyone's dance was different, but it was all, and Jesus was the center. So as we come forward to take communion, each Sunday, every Sunday, we come to put eyes up, to put Jesus back in the center where he belongs, and can we just begin to put into practice things in our life, put to death those things, and then put into practice those good things that keep him there. Let's keep him there. So this morning as we go come to take communion, um, you can go to any one of the three tables as makes sense. But this is a one-way aisle coming down these two side aisles. We like to try to keep it one way and one way down toward the back. And then you circle around to your seats. And there's two cups. Bottom cup has the cracker. Top cup has the juice. And that way you just have to take one, one thing. So um, we're going we're gonna to move out of your seats and, and take your elements. Hold on to them. And we'll come back up and we'll partake of communion together. And we're going to remember Jesus. We're going to remember that He is the center
1: of it all. Amen. Amen. Okay, grab your elements. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I say when we take communion, we want to try to do three things first is to remember what he's done let's just take a moment and remember what he's done for us paying that ultimate price on the cross defeating the grave (laughs) that song that Jesus paid it all all to him I owe he's paid it all We thank you for that. And when we remember that, it turns our hearts to what we call repentance. Just take a moment. If there's something in your life this morning that you just need to lay down, maybe it's a transgression, a sin, an idol, a fear, a worry, a concern that you've been holding on to too tightly. Come on, church. Just put it, put it down this morning. Lay it at His feet. Thank you, thank you, Lord. And it's also a time to rejoice, to thank Him, to worship Him to dance, to be full of joy. I love that unchoreographed dance. So we rejoice this morning as well for what you have done. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you for the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice of love. We thank You for the power of the resurrection. The power that is in the resurrection. We thank You forward in Jesus' name. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which He was betrayed, took bread. When given thanks, He broke it. He said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this. till he comes. Let us partake. Father, we worship you. We thank you. We give you all the honor, all the glory. Worthy, worthy, worthy is your name. Church, stand with me. We're going to continue to worship. We're going to continue to call on his name. For he is good his mercies are new every day. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Let's worship Him. As, as we were Singing that even that last, those last words, the Lord reminded me or showed me a couple things. I'll get there. Give me a second. <clears throat> he reminded me of Matthew eleven. It says, "Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest." Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And I thought about us dancing. And I thought about when I was young, when I got brand new sneakers. I don't know what it was about those brand new sneakers, but I could tell you this. I could jump a little higher And I could run a little faster. I don't know if you've ever experienced the new sneaker experience when you were young. But what I felt this morning is we need to put on some new sneakers this morning. We need to put on some new shoes this morning. Shoes that remind us that we are light because his burden is light. His yoke is easy. And all the stuff we have going on in this world that seems to be pressing down on us can have no effect on us in Jesus' name. We let it, and I get it. (laughs) And then he reminded me of the armor that we put on. And he reminded me that what the shoes are. That's right. It's the gospel of peace. Come on, guys. When we put those new shoes on, when we when we take a step of action, say, I'm trusting in you, I'm putting on these new shoes. And I'm ready to dance for joy. We actually put on shoes of peace. And think about that. You can't have peace and be worried and concerned about all the stuff that's going on around you at the same time. So this morning I encourage you to figuratively, (laughs) not literally, take off the shoes that have been heavy, laden with burdens that are of this world... And put on the shoes of the gospel of peace and feel yourself a little lighter, to run a little faster, to jump a little higher, to do some unchoreographed dancing like you've never done before. And you can do that at home, and you don't have to do it here. But I just had that sense this morning that those shoes of peace bring a lightness and a joy. And it's all tied to the gospel, which means it's all tied to Jesus and what he's done for us. He made a way. He made a way. Amen.
0: I was thinking about how we were at IROC like two weeks ago, and I haven't been there in like two years. And we were doing this exercise where you had this like little metal thing, and you were supposed to jump over it. And then you're supposed to stand there and then jump back, like backwards. Oh. And I mean, I had the short one, and he had the tall one. And I, I looked over at him, and I was like... This is a real revelation of how much my body likes to be attached to the ground. Like, it took so much effort to, like, my body was unwilling to come off the ground. And it's because those muscles were unpracticed. Those, those muscles were unpracticed at doing that. They still are because, you know, I haven't been back, I don't think, since that day. Um, but two years ago, when I had been going regularly, it got easier. And easier and easier. And then I was one of those annoying, really high energy people, you know, during the workout. Now I'm just like, you know, there's, there's the, the, the muscles are joy muscles, our joy muscles. When we don't, when we don't use them, they get weak and they get out of practice. And, um, and then those burdens, they come on, like they come on quicker and heavier, it feels like. Um, I think so much, Sometimes we can hyper-spiritualize things. But I think so much of life is just habits, habits of thinking, habits. Do we have the good habit of running to the Lord in prayer? Do we have the good habit of laughing in the face of obvious, obvious baits of the enemy, like the, the really the obvious ones? Um, uh, are we practicing? Are we working those, those muscles and creating those new habits um, that lead us in the ways of life? He empowers us. He has given us joy. Um, so, yeah, just to echo that of taking off the burdens. I could barely get off the ground and over that little thing with, no, with, like, nothing on my physical body. But imagine if I had weights, like weighted vest. I would trip over that little bar, which was my fear even before I jumped even one time. I was like, if I trip over this, I'm going forward, and it's <laughs> going to look bad. Um, but taking off that heaviness, taking off that burden... Um, and this is interesting. If you've ever, let me think, when has it happened? If you've ever been carrying something heavy or been wearing, not wearing something heavy, I'm trying to think of when this happened, maybe when we were a kid, and you took it off and suddenly you felt really light. Yeah. Like you felt taller. And you're not taller and you're not lighter. It's just you were carrying something heavy. So the illusion of light, you can really feel that lightness when it comes off. So that's what the Lord wants to do. Every moment, every day. He cares for us so much. And just last night, Andy said to us, what did he say? He's like, I know for a fact that the Lord's love for us is bigger and greater than what we know. Mm -hmm. And that we are hard on ourselves. We're harder on ourselves than he is on us. He is gracious and kind and merciful. So he's the burden lifter. The burden lifter, the burden bearer this morning. So that we can have great joy.
1: Amen, amen. We're just going to close this time of worship just in a quick prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for being here with us through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence to heal today, your presence to restore. Father, we thank you for your Son. Father, our eyes are focused on you. Our hearts focused on you. We thank you, Lord, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. So Father, we rejoice this morning, we give you all the honor, all the praise, all the glory, for someday we will be worshiping in heaven. We thank you for everything you do for us, and how good you are, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, man, give some instructions oh,
0: yeah, so as we dismissed a greeting time, um, Kid corner is open, kids If you know your bag, go ahead and grab it if you 're a guest, we have sermon bags for kids, toddler through sixth grade. It's a bag filled with some goodies to help them stay busy during sermon time. Um, We also have sermon notes. Those are for them to fill out or draw on or whatever and take home. We also have our offering buckets up here. If you have an offering, please bring it up uh, during greeting time. And then I will call you all back to order uh, with announcements um, in about, I don't know, five, ten minutes. Yeah? All right, guys is there any joy like watching babies grow up? I'm just saying, Rahina is like, we just watched her come, we prayed her home and watched her grow up. I just love little Atlas who was just the tiniest, too tiny, right? Too tiny is now looking exactly like all of his brothers and sisters and just beautiful. I just love it. God is so good and he's so faithful. Um, he just gives us great joy. All right, I'd like to welcome guests. If this is your first time worshiping with us, I I am always this sentimental after I worship. Um, And we are about babies and all sorts of other things, too. Um, We are very happy to have you. Um, Always a pleasure to worship the Lord with friends. Um, If you'd like to connect with us um, and kind of be. On our list for communications and those things, you can send an email to info at ecfchurch.org, and you can send prayer requests, praise reports, and testimonies to prayer at ecfchurch.org. And that will keep you connected with our congregation, and that would make us thrilled and very, very happy. So we welcome you. Um, Tonight, we are having youth night. So downstairs starts at 6. We usually have pizza and chips and fruit, um, cookies, uh, and um, we have worship. And teaching of the Word and Bible study and prayer. Um, the kids also play pool, ping pong. We have music going. It's a really good time. So, if you are a teenager, we invite you to come on down. Um, it's 6th through 12th grade, um, and it's a really great time. So, we invite you to come to come and partake of that. At the same time, Luciano Group will be here in the sanctuary. That starts at 630. Um And it goes probably till about 8 o'clock. It is open to everyone, and it is a wonderful time of the Word. It is excellent, excellent teaching. So I encourage you, come on out, check it out, and just get filled up with the Word of God um, because it's so good. Uh, Lastly, what I have is the OCC tree. The missions tree is out there, um, decorated very um, colorfully and fun. Um, On it are um, ornaments. I should have gotten one and brought it up. Um, they are in the shape of the OCC uh, plane. They're in the left-hand corner of the of the slide, and there's ornaments hanging on the tree. Every ornament that you take, you take home, you give, and in giving, you're helping us to um, send the OCC boxes around the world. You're pay- You're helping to pay for the shipping costs. You're also helping to kind of. Um, uh, Grow that fund, the OCC fund, so that we can buy really great toys to put in for next year's boxes. So I encourage you, um, as you feel led, include the kids, which we didn't. I encourage you to include your kids. But me and Jason last week, we're like, oh, yeah, let's take one. Like, we didn't even, the kids weren't even with us. But it's a great opportunity to include the kids. Um, Take an ornament, hang it on your tree, and then pray. Pray for that ministry, which is a great ministry, sharing the gospel around the world, meeting the needs of kids. Um, pray together as a family, and then give together as a family. Ask your kids if they want to give. They saw the video. If they didn't see the video, the OCC video, the first year we were ever introduced to OCC, it wasn't through church. I don't remember how we got introduced to it, but I sat down and watched a video and was in tears, and I was like, you've got to watch this video. Then I pulled my kids. I was like, you've got to watch this video and that year, our family packed a couple shoe boxes and participated in it. Then the following year, I think we learned about the big packing party over at Grace Church. So um, we've been involved with OCC for a lot of years. But if you haven't watched the video, or if your kids haven't watched the video, go online and watch the, uh, the Operation Christmas Child video because it'll, it'll really show you the impact that this ministry has globally um, in, in um, spreading the gospel and meeting the basic needs of, of kids. So I encourage you... Watch the video, include your families, grab an ornament, and make sure when you give, in your envelope, mark it OCC. That way we know. And that's what I have.
1: Well, we're going to, I'm just going to read a scripture here. We're going to pray uh, over the offering here this morning, and then we're going to get into the word. Amen? You guys ready for the word this morning? Uh, some things God has been placing on my heart. I know we've been talking about Vision. And Decision 2020 and the vision moving forward, and keeping our eyes focused on His kingdom and what He's doing and what He's asking us as a church to go do, what He's calling us as a church to go after. Because there's a lot of distractions in the world. We get ourselves wrapped up in a lot of things that maybe aren't His plan for our lives. Sometimes it might be, and that's okay. Uh, you need to hear from the Holy Spirit. But I want us to know for sure, for certain, where we're headed, where Erie Christian Fellowship Church is headed and what we're doing, and what we're going to focus our time and our efforts on. Amen? I'm looking forward to sharing more of that this morning. I have a scripture for us out of 1 Timothy 6. This is in this week's uh, reading. If you're reading through uh, the Bible with us, we've got the bookmarks in the back. Uh, we're doing some reading. If the youth, any youth are in here right now, if you're coming to youth tonight, you need to read the book of Philemon. That's where Andy will be sharing out of tonight at youth. Lehman, just one chapter, you can do it, it's not that long, if you want to read that, that was today's reading uh, this morning as well, and there's bookmarks on the back table if you want to follow along with us. But our reading this week was in Timothy as well, 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 17, says this, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches. Church, we cannot put our trust in our bank account. I know they call it a trust, right? There's a thing called a trust. But that's a really bad term for that. In fact, I petitioned to change the name of that thing called a trust. Because we, we should not and cannot put our trust in that. I've heard prophetic words from great preachers and pastors in the past that said at some point in time, in this time of transition, in these days, there will be a moment where everyone's going to be on an equal playing field when it comes to financials which says there, we have to trust in Him and Him alone. There's no way we can trust anything else. Does that mean that we should you know, be unwise with our finances? Absolutely not. The Bible over and over tells us to use wisdom. But I know for me and my household, we are working to be the lender, not the borrower. I know for this church, it is our hearts and our desire to be a lender and not a borrower. And I hope each of you, it resonates with you that you are called, when we're on this earth, to be a distribution center of God's resources. You're a distribution center. And for those who know what a distribution center is, it means stuff comes in, and it goes out. It comes in, and it goes out. You came in with nothing, you're leaving with nothing. So things that come in, and the Lord commands us constantly. He gives ideas to you. He puts people on your heart. You say, wow, it's only 10 bucks. I don't, that doesn't. I'll tell you what, you have no idea what that might mean. You have no idea life that you might change. You have no idea when he whispers to you in the grocery store to pay for somebody else's groceries and they might just be buying a bagel. You have no idea the impact that you might be having on that person's life. So be led by the Spirit. It says, do not trust in uncertain riches, but trust in who? In the living God. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy? It's all from Him anyway. Yes, you worked, and yes, you maybe, maybe you think you made some great decisions. But guess what? The Holy Spirit helped you make those good decisions. Come on, guys. Don't take too much credit for the size of your bank account. Give Him the glory for that. Amen? He gives us all things richly to enjoy. Let them who do good... That they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, stirring up for themselves, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may hold on. eternal life. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every gift, every giver. We thank you that you are so trustworthy and so faithful in our finances. Father, I just pray that we continue to be a church that's moving toward complete debt freedom. I pray for a church and a congregation of family members that are moving towards completely being debt free. I believe it's important in these times. Father, I pray that you will give us wisdom, ideas, jobs, changes we need to make in order to make that happen. And Father, our heart is just to obey you and to trust you in everything. So Father, we trust you in this. We thank you for these gifts, Father, that you are so good to us. And Father, I lift up the message today. Have your way. Speak through me today. Give us hope and encouragement for the future. Lord, thank you for leading and guiding this church for 30 years and many, many, many more years to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, open up your Bibles with me. Oh, man, where do I want you to start? Shoot. Come on. Uh, you know what, go to Acts chapter 8 and just park there for a little bit. Park there for a little bit. We're going to get to it. I just want you to pay attention a little bit to me. I'm going I'm to read one of the stories here in Acts chapter 8 in just a few minutes. Uh, but before we do that, I do have some scriptures that will be up on the screen. You can write them down if you're taking notes this morning. Uh, I have erased last week's In the last couple weeks, whiteboard with my scribble on it, and the circle, and all the craziness that was all written, and you all said, I can't see it. I don't know what he's writing. Well, we got a slide for you today that, thank you to Sydney, she made, that you all will be able to see it real clear up here. Hey, look at this. Thank you, Sydney. So you guys don't have to squint too bad, but what I'm going to do, because I'm helping you with this, I'm going to write again on the whiteboard something totally different. ...that you won't be able to see and your eyes will squint... ...and at some point we'll make another chart for it as we do it. But this is what we've been talking about. Take a look at this. Our logo, as you can see, kind of baked in the middle of that. And what we've been saying over and over... ...that we have to run when we see the vision. And without vision, people perish. We've seen the scriptures that do that. But this logo, this emblem really represents... ...who Erie Christian Fellowship Church is. Where he's calling us to be. What he's calling us to go do... And if you notice, the cross is right in the center. The cross is in the center. Jesus Christ, his word, the word of God is in the center of everything that we do. Now, what you can't see in that cross is there are two highways that are on there, and they're labeled. Going across the cross this way is Route 90, and coming down is Route 79. And I'm not going to relive all that or retell that story, but the Lord had showed me all the different places that we lived on the map in Northwest Pennsylvania, and they came to make a cross. And I believe that Erie Christian Fellowship Church is called to meet Northwest Pennsylvania across Route 90 and down Route 79. And we start talking about all the things that we need to participate in, and we have these four major platforms, these foundational four things that we are focused on that we want to see happen. And If you remember last week, I gave the example, if you're a Penn State fan... When you, when you go to Penn State or if you've been to Penn State football game, they say, we are, and people say, Penn State. So what I want us to start being able to do is when we hear the word we are, there are things that we can begin saying. We are, of course, Erie Christian Fellowship Church. We are a family church. We are reaching a million souls for Jesus Christ. These are the things that should start rolling off your tongue when you start hearing and thinking about Erie Christian Fellowship Church. Well, today I want to get into another one. That is, we are seeing the lost saved. We will be seeing the lost saved. And I don't know how we're going to reach these million people and how it's going to work. And if that participation and partnership means things that I think it means, but it might mean something different but I truly see many communities of believers all parked all along Route not literally parked on the side of Route 79. That's when the snowstorm happens, okay? We live in Erie. No, what I'm saying is I just see community after community after community all across northwestern Pennsylvania and down Route 79, not like literally on the highway, but encompassing that area. And I truly believe that as we see that happen, I don't know exact details of what it looks like yet, but as we see that happen, the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ will begin to illuminate the darkness that surrounds in northwest Pennsylvania. And that's what I believe the Lord was showing us, and then I got a random call one like Friday afternoon from someone in our church who said, Pastor Jason, I have to tell you, I had a vision." And I had, it was like a beacon of light was coming out of Erie, Pennsylvania, and it was just encompassing all of the darkness that was around northwest Pennsylvania. And I was like, well, praise the Lord. Confirmation in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for giving us confirmation. So as I mentioned, there's a couple scriptures I want to go through here before we get into the specifics here of what we see from this thing being lost, saved, saved. And the first scripture I want to talk about is Matthew 28, verse 19. Matthew 28, verse 19. First thing it says is go. 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 Go from this place. Yes, this is our church building, but this is not the church. This is a church. These are church seats, but this doesn't constitute the church. These four walls, this property of 13 acres, albeit beautiful, does not constitute the church. We are the church. And what he is calling us to do is to go. He's calling each and every one of us in different capacities to go. To go and do what? Go, therefore, and make disciples. And on that, Grace, if you can go back to that vision slide. Go, therefore, and make disciples. This lives transformed is what I believe and I'm going to explain and it, we will probably take at least one week, on what does it mean to make a disciple? What does that look like? What does that feel like? What does it mean if you're a parent doing it? What are you doing with your friends? And what does it mean? But I can tell you, it, one, number one, it takes time. It takes intentionality. It takes effort. Seeing a life transformed is more than just praying the prayer to see them lost, saved. There is so much that goes in to that top right-hand corner that I'm going to begin covering in future weeks. But in order to get there, in order to be a disciple, Grace, go back to the Scripture, in order to be a disciple, you have to first come to know Jesus is saving grace and power. You must first be saved before you can go and have your life to be completely transformed. A life transformed without Jesus is not a life transformed. You may think it's transformed, You may do a lot of self-help, you may do all these great things and watch TED Talks and listen to all these great things and be able to feel better, but a true life transformed is everything to do with Jesus Christ. Everything. So therefore, to go and make disciples, we have to see the lost saved. Of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Next verse, 2 Peter, verse 3. What is God's heart? What is God's will? He commands us to go. He commands us to share the gospel message in word and in action. He commands us to go make disciples. He commands the church to be the church and to do that. Why does he want us to do that? The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Oh man, church, he does not give up on any one of us. Amen? He does not give up on us. He does not give up on our unsaved relative. He does not give up on our unsaved coworker. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give up. He's long-suffering towards us, towards each and every one of us. And he's not willing that any should perish. He's not willing that any should perish. Look at any translation you want. He doesn't want anyone to perish. His heart, what he wants is to see the lost saved. Does he wish that it would happen earlier in people's life? I'm sure that he does. And if it's at the very end of someone's life, there's still rejoicing and celebration going on in heaven. He is not willing that any should perish, but what? That all should come to repentance. I love that word, repentance, to turn away, to go back to the penthouse, to repent, to turn back away. I think we have like a bad vision of the penthouse, but what I'm saying is like, you know, it's that top floor, we have that great view, and you can see everything. He's turning back to his kingdom, and what God has done for us to repent, to turn away. He wants to see the lost saved. And this morning I'm going to tell you there's both a personal, I'll call maybe an obligation or a personal task that we have, and then there's a task from the church perspective. And how do we, how can we help to see the lost saved? We're going to go on to this sheet right here. So for me... As I was praying about this, as I was asking the Lord, what does this mean? What does this look like? He gave me kind of a chart. I think in terms of charts, I, th- I think very visually. And so he gave me this chart and says, The lost saved up here. And really, there's outreach and missions. There are things that we do, and there's a personal component of this. I call that one reaching one. There's a personal component of seeing a million souls saved, and it's one person reaching one person, and one person reaching one person. And I'm going to get to that personal side in just a few minutes, but I want to talk just a few minutes about the church's side. And what I believe that he gave me from a church perspective, as we look at outreach and missions and spreading the gospel message, it comes into three categories. Number one is the gospel. I know you can't read it, my handwriting is sloppy. But it says the gospel. And over here I've got two boxes. This says local and this says global. And what I believe is that he is calling us as a church to see the gospel message be preached both locally, northwest Pennsylvania, but also globally. I believe he's also calling us to show practical help to widows, orphans, those who are poor, both locally and globally. And I believe that he is calling us to participate in church planting, both locally and globally. This is the church side of it. We're going to get to the personal side of it here in just a minute. And so as he began to reveal this to me, I began to start putting into these boxes stuff that we're doing. And I began to say, Lord, is there something more we should be doing in some of these areas? Is there something more that should happen? And the first one up here is the actual church, us, the gospel, seeing it in a local, the church, is I need to equip you to do it. One of my primary responsibilities is to equip you to share the gospel message, to encourage you. To exhort you to go do it. And we're going to get to that in a minute. But the gospel message locally, if you don't know, we do a lot with the city mission. Remember that partnership on the outside, around the circle of that that logo that I showed you? There has to be a partnership. We, personally, are not all going to be able to reach Northwest Pennsylvania and the the globe with the gospel message all by ourselves. There has to be partnership. Well, we work with the city mission. And the city mission, what I realized, is both practical and sharing in the gospel message. And we work with the Women's Care Center. But what I realized recently is that there was a gap here of practical help to our local community. And I know we did OCC boxes. That's kind of the global practical help. It's also sharing the gospel so OCC, these boxes, you know, I encourage you to go get one of those things on the way out. It fits the mission of where ECS ha- ECF needs to be. It's sharing the gospel globally. It's sharing practical help to those in need globally. What I realize here is that practically, yes, we help the city mission, but there's a lot of things that we still can do as a church in Fairview, in what I would call probably one of the most wealthiest Oh, well, it is the wealthiest county in Erie, or district in Erie County, but even in Pennsylvania, there is so much that we can do to affect the Erie County that we're in. And to be honest, I was praying, like, Lord, what can we do? What can we do? And I got nothing. But guess what? Someone in our church got something. And she came up to us and she said, You know what? I really feel I am ready to lead and to help drive and coordinate a food drive for this local community, and I want ECF to participate in it. And I said, amen. Hallelujah. Yes. This fits right into what we're doing. We're equipping people. We're encouraging you to do what the Lord is asking you and calling each and every one of you to go do. And then globally, as we're seeing the gospel preached... You know, we support Jeremy Gall. I know Jeremy Gall has been here, yeah? You guys remember Reverend Jeremy Gall as an evangelist? We support Christopher Alum, which goes Alum, as he says. Alum. I should say the same way he says it, because that's how he says his last name. And he's an evangelist and a preacher that goes to India and Pakistan and Africa and all over. We support Mark and Victoria Bowling. Can't wait to get them here. And Mark and Victoria, interesting enough, if you learn anything about their ministry, they actually do a lot of practical help globally too. Specifically in uh, Pakistan, I believe. And so these are, the, these are the boxes that I want to begin to fill up with things that we are doing to see the lost saved. And over here, I'll call it missions trips. Come on. Can I get an amen? Where's Camille? Can I get an Amen. Amen. There are missions trips that very often as we go to the DR or other places, as we are sharing the gospel message, but we are also giving practical help to those who are in need. And I believe the Bible commands us as a church to do that. And then when it comes to church planning, you'll start to hear this term. I know you can't see it. It's called One Focus Network Network. It is a network that we are—I uh, guess what they call—we're dating, at the moment. But we are are working and beginning to participate more and more in this network. And this network is to uh, to give resources back to the local church to help us in times of need, to show us different things, to talk about worship and all the different things. Basically, an apostolic resource that pours into us is called One Focus Network is the name of it. But they also help do church planning both locally and globally. And we want to participate in that. And the the Lord may have us planting small churches all around this area. I don't know how it's going to do or what it's going to do. But what I can tell you is this, is I'm open to whatever the Lord wants to go do. You know, I'm open when Justin and Ashley Robbins show up and say, you know what, Pastor Jason, I believe that there's a new startup church called Adventure Church, and I believe that we are to help them. I believe that we are to be their worship leader. And he has asked me to do that. And you know what I said? Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you joking? Are you kidding? Absolutely. Do We want to see another... It's not a competition. Adventure Church is not a competition. It's another church planted in another neighborhood, reaching and sharing the gospel message and helping those in need. Are you joking? Yes, of course i got no qualms about that. Absolutely. Go, do it for as long as you need to do it. We'll miss you. I miss them. She comes to women, right? They're still connected. But absolutely, we want to see churches planted. And another organization that we support uh, heavily is VLMI, which is Victorious Living Ministries International. And I put this in the, in the, in the category of reaching the globe, seeing the lost saved, and really helping with church planting. I know they're not planting churches per se, but they are pouring into pastors, they're pouring into leaders, they're giving them teaching and experience so that they can go plant churches wherever they might be and to lead healthy churches, which means a multiplied church. So these are just even some of the things that you'll begin to see more and more of as we talk about missions, as we talk about outreach, as we talk about reaching the world for Jesus Christ. So what about us personally? What about us personally? Let me start with this. 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 5, says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, this is Paul writing, I planted, Apollos watered, But God gave the increase. The Lord adds to the church daily. He does the work. We're his hands and feet, but he's the one convicting. The Holy Spirit is the one convicting on the inside. Jesus came and died for us. Jesus is love. We are to love others. But the Holy Spirit does the convicting, and God does the judging. Not you, not me. He does it. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. All the glory goes to him. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. So what does this mean for us personally? One reaching one. You know, Jeremy uh, Gall here a couple weeks ago, he challenged us to make a list of those who we were believing to see come to know Jesus Christ. He challenged us. And I don't know if you were here, I don't know if you wrote it down. There's a couple names that I wrote down. And then later that week, I remembered he said, You know what? Send those names to me via Facebook so that we can be praying for them. And I sent those names into Facebook. I kid you not that one of those names on that list reached out to me and said, Jason, I need to talk to you. It has nothing to do with work or business, but I'm struggling. I need help. And I was able to meet with him. I was able to follow up and text with him and encourage him, share the gospel message with him. I've got him reading the Bible. Well, God's got him reading the Bible, praying, praying, Saying the word Jesus and God and I have to trust in him. These types of words never came out of their mouth before. But he is calling each and every one of us. Who in your life, who in your family is he calling you to begin to reach out to, to connect to? And here's what I would tell you. I believe that you, each and every one of you need to know your testimony. You don't have to be a street evangelist. There are those, praise God for them. We got some in our church. That doesn't mean every one of us has to be a street evangelist. But know your testimony. And be willing and ready to share it when the opportunity comes. And ask the Lord for opportunities to share it. But I warn you, (laughs) only ask if you really mean it. Because every time I've asked for an opportunity to share the gospel, man, it was right up in my face in like no time. Kids at school, same thing. Know your testimony. Write it down if you need to. Be willing to share it. So what stops us from doing it? Let me tell you some of the things that stops me from doing it. Number one, fear. Come on, guys, this is real. We're worried about rejection. We're concerned about what they think. We're not sure if we're going to have the right words to say. And we don't do it. We say, you know what, Pastor Jason, it's okay if I just live a good life and that I am just a really good example everywhere that I go. Is that bad? Absolutely not. That is good. You should be a good example. But at some point, somewhere, that person has to hear about Jesus Christ. And the only way that somebody can hear about it is if someone tells them about it. And God may have you in that person's life because He wants you to go tell them about Jesus. Why else don't we share? It's not my personality. I don't like to talk, I'm not, you know, gregarious if that's the right word, I'm not super outgoing, you know, I just, I don't, it's, it's my personality. Nowhere in that scripture where it says, go and make disciples, does it give an out for a personality conflict. Don't see it, can't find it, yes, he gives gifts, he has five-fold ministry, there's all these things, there's the, the office of the event. I'm not saying you're all in the office of the event, but I'm saying each and every one of us needs to be ready to share the testimony. And when the opportunity that God makes for us to share it, we need to share it. What if they say no? What if they reject it? It's okay. You keep doing it. You keep sharing it. They say the average person hears the gospel like seven to nine times before coming to know the Lord. So if they say no, you just say, man, I am just one of the seven. I can't wait until number seven or nine gets to them. And you know what? The time you share, you might be number seven. And then you can rejoice and be happy and be glad and begin to take them to the life transformed. More than just a prayer. That's why I believe it's so important that as we share the gospel, this one reaching one, it is, an, it is relationship involved. I mean, yeah, you can go up to somebody and there's a different gifting for that, and I know some people have it, and they can just catch somebody, share their testimony, and they get someone saved. But for the most of us, the majority of us, I would say it comes in relationship. And if you have zero relationships with non-Christians then you are giving yourself zero opportunity to share the gospel with someone. And I know the Bible says surround yourself with those who are like-minded. Don't be, you know, don't be, uh, what's the word, with the world. What's that? friends with the world and all this other stuff. Well, Pastor Jay says don't be friends with the world. Okay, I get it. What it's saying is don't let them have more influence on you than you have on them. And be careful of that and watch for that. But we have to have relationships with those in our neighborhood, at our workplace. They need to know who to call when the proverbial you-know-what hits the fan. Come on. They need to know. They need to know. Some of us have lost compassion for others. Yeah, we don't want to hear that. But we have. I have sometimes. I have to remind myself, Lord, you love these people. And you can say, whatever these people means to you, that's okay. I won't fill in the blank. Whatever these people are. But he loves them. It was that none should perish. His heart is for all of them. The battle is not against flesh and blood. They're not your enemy. God wants them to know his saving grace as well. We need to see every person as valuable in needing Jesus. I believe another, I'll call it excuse that I have, that we all have, is apathy or distraction. We get distracted with our own life. Life is busy. Life is challenging. Life has issues. Life has situations. And sometimes, some of us, including me, get so wrapped up in our own life, we are missing the opportunities to share the gospel and they're flying right past us. And there are seasons where it's more focused on ourselves. I get that. And there are seasons where we have to lift our head up sometimes and put aside the distractions of this world and know the real reason why we're here. It's not to live in a nice house and to have a nice car and have food on the table. That is not the reason we're here. We are here to be his hands and feet. We are here to go and make disciples of all the nations. We are here to see his kingdom expanded. We are here, we are, to see the lost saved. If we don't tell them, who's going to tell them? We want Erie County, yes, Lord, let's see Erie County saved. But if none of you ever shares the gospel, guess what? It's not going to happen. Each and every one of us has to do it. In our way, as the Lord leads I think another another reason why we don't do it is we have a bad theological view of hell. Because we don't think about it. Who wants to think about hell? Let me read a scripture to you out of Luke 16, verse 22. I'm going to read 20 actually to be on the screen. You can follow along. I know you're in Acts chapter 8. I haven't forgot. I get it. We're there. We're going to get there. Just a minute. So it was that the beggar died. And was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades. This is seeing a vision of someone who is being in torments in Hades. In hell. He lifted his eyes up and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And then he cried and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Please send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. This is a picture of what is going to happen for all those who do not know and have not made Jesus Christ their Savior when they pass from this earth. This is terrible. This is awful. I don't want this for anyone. But we have this, I don't know what our theological view of hell is, or it's going to be just not this great place. We don't want to think about it. We like to think about heaven. But this is the destination. This is where people will go. I don't want anyone to go. They're even my worst enemy. But Abraham said, Son, remember, That in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. So that those who want to pass from here to you cannot. Nor can those from there pass to us. The finality of that statement is sobering the finality of that statement is sobering. There's no, well, maybe there's a second chance sometime down the road. The Bible doesn't teach that. Verse 27. So he's basically saying, well, if that's the case, I beg you, therefore... Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of tournament. The crying out of someone who didn't make that decision while they were here on earth. Begging us, those who are here, those who know Jesus, to go out to see the lost Savior. To have those difficult discussions and to put those fears aside. The fear of rejection. The fear of, well, it's just not my personality. The fear of, well, I just live a good life and they'll see Jesus in me. That's great. But at some point, at some point, you have to ask them the question. Have you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Do you know what that means? Let me talk to you about that. I believe that when we do it, what the Lord promises us in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says that we shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon us. Power when he has come upon us. That you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Dunamis power. Who says they're getting me a t-shirt with dunamis? I remember somebody had just said that to me. I love the word dunamis. I think it was Ryan. Where's Ryan? He's not here today. Dunamis power. I love that word. The pa- Listen to this. Dunamis power is the, the act of power, miraculous power, ability that you don't have on your own. That the Holy Spirit gives you to share the gospel. Like, well, Pastor I don't know what I would say. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say. Trust in him to say it. I love this. Dunamis power is not merely power capable of action but power in action. Not just capable of it, but there's power in it to go do it. So don't give up. Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26. And what I want to show you is, you know, we think about preachers, we think about tent meetings, and we think about salvations. And during Sunday morning in church services, I believe that for the most part... Almost every week, it's not all the time that we will give the gospel message. Some way, shape, or form throughout, or the opportunity to come see somebody to talk about the gospel message when church has concluded. But this story we're going to look at briefly in the Bible is a one-on-one encounter. One reaching one. One person reaching out to another. Let's look at this. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. Now an angel spoke to Philip. Guess what? Philip heard from the Lord. Philip was attuned to the Lord. He had put away those distractions. He was willing to be God's servant wherever he was. He was willing to go wherever the Lord directed him to go. Verse 27. So he arose and went. Church, when the... Wait, God speaks to you? It's a really good idea to obey. Like, honestly, that's, that's like a really good idea. <laughs> right. Right. He's, he's gracious and he'll give us, he'll repeat himself sometimes. But he's not a threatening, repeating parent like we can be as, as actual. It's a whole other parenting course. We won't go there today. He arose and he went. And behold, a man from Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority. We won't go into what a eunuch is for the kid's sake. Under great authority, under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury, and had come to Jerusalem to worship. Philip obeyed. God had a plan. There was a purpose. There was a man that was coming, and he wanted Philip to be the one to share the gospel message. Philip obeyed. He arose. He went. Verse 28. He was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet, and the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot again a command that says you know what go go be bold and share God orchestrated this entire situation God had already softened this man's heart he was reading the Bible he was reading Isaiah there are people out there who don't know what's going on they see all this chaos in the world I imagine a lot of them are picking up the Bible but they don't know what it means yet They don't know what's going on. And yes, the Holy Spirit can speak to them through the Bible and the scripture is inspired. But a lot of times they need people to come alongside them and to teach them and to help them and to disciple them and to show them the way. Verse 30, so Philip ran to him. I love that. Like, let's go, baby. Let's go. Let's do it. He ran to him and heard him reading. The prophet Isaiah said, do you understand what you are reading? So God orchestrates a situation. Philip is being obedient. The man is open to the situation. And what does Philip do? He doesn't say, accept Jesus and be saved right now. He asks him a question. He begins a relationship. He begins a discussion. We want to know how to share the gospel message. We don't just blast open the door of our workplace and jump up on the, on the closest desk that we find and start screaming at everybody about Jesus. It could happen. If the Lord tells you to do it, God bless you. You know, if you need bail or something, we'll call us, whatever, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> yeah, right, just saying. But he asked them a question I find that so Interesting. Too often, we're so fast to speak and so slow to listen. What are they really asking? What do they really want to know? How can I help guide this conversation? And he said to, And then he said this, verse 31. How can I unless someone guides me? The question was, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, I- How will I know unless someone helps me, unless someone guides me? There are people out there who need our help. There are people out there who are desperate for answers. Have you not noticed? Millions upon millions upon millions of people who are confused, who are lost, who are hurting, who are turning to drugs and to alcohol and to everything else they can find to bring comfort, and they will not find it. But they're searching. We talk about as we get close to this time of transition and the Lord's return, that there's going to be a great awakening, a great revival. It's because there's going to be stuff going on that people are going to be scared and they're going to say, what do I do? Where do I turn? And then this becomes our opportunity of a lifetime to see a great revival occur. But we have to be willing to open our mouths and to say something. How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and to sit with him. He invited him in. Amen. Verse 32. The place in Scripture which he was reading was this He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? So look at this. He invites them in. They begin asking, They have a discussion. Back and forth. Explain this to me. What's going on here? What does this mean? What's going on here? Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth. Come on, church. Come on, church. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at the scripture, he preached Jesus to him. At the right opportunity, at the right time, after the right question, when the man's heart was ready, the Holy Spirit prompted Philip to open his mouth and to share the gospel message. Philip opened his mouth. The result... Verse 36, now as they went down the road, they came to some water and eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Let's go, baby. He's like, all right, I'm in, let's go. Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Verse 38, last verse. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. Both Philip and Eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. This is a one-on-one encounter. This is one reaching one. And I tell you, we design our Sunday morning services intentionally that this is not the place where uh, uh, the average, what we call it, seeker-friendly, they call it. That's not what we, how we feel like we've designed Sunday mornings. But we've designed Sunday mornings to equip, to encourage, to host God's presence, to, so that we could see one reaching one. Does that mean someone who is lost will not be saved? Absolutely, it happens. It just happened a couple weeks ago. It happens. But our primary way that we'll reach a million souls for Jesus Christ is not on a Sunday morning, it is one reaching one. It's one reaching one. It's one reaching one. It's one reaching one. And think of the multiplication factor that that begins to happen. Each and every one of us have a responsibility because of what Jesus did for us, because of what he did for us to share our testimony with someone else of what he did for us. Worship team or keyboard if you want to come back up here. Let me tell you this, guys. Sometimes you just need to do it. Sometimes there's all these fears, all these concerns. I get it. But sometimes you just need to do it. And what will happen? I've done this. You know what? That wasn't that hard after all. That wasn't that scary after all. I'm encouraging you. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Look for the relationships that God has placed in your life. And don't forsake those relationships, but believe that God has put that relationship in your life so that you could be a witness of the gospel message to them. I believe he's doing that more and more in these days. I believe you will get more and more phone calls, more and more emails, more and more texts from people that are in the world that don't understand what's going on and need hope. And I want each of us to be ready, just like that, to be able to share that hope. And remember the story of Philip. He was ready, and he opened his mouth, and he did it. Let's just bow our heads this morning. I just want to pray for each and every one of us here. that we would sense that endowment of the Holy Spirit so strong, that dunamis power in our life to give us the boldness, the confidence to do something that we feel like we can't do, been afraid to do, don't want to do, hoping that some pastor shows up someday to do it, delegate it to someone else. Heavenly Father, we just pray in your presence this morning we ask. We ask that you would encourage us to be bold for you. To encourage us to share what your son Jesus Christ did for us. To live as a light and in truth and in action but to also, as we saw Philip do, open our mouths and to say and to speak our testimony and to share what God has done in our life. And Father, I pray for myself for opportunities. And Lord, I pray that each person would say that prayer as well. And that as those opportunities come, that you would give us a boldness and encouragement that only the Holy Spirit can do. And Father, as your word promises, that when we open our mouth, you will fill it with the right words, the right things to say at the right time, the right questions, that you will do that. Because your will is that none shall perish. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. If there's anybody here this morning who would say, Pastor Jason, that's great. I want to share, but I can't share yet because I have not made Jesus my Lord and Savior. I've not given my life to Him. I'm lost. I'm hurting. I'm helpless on my own, and I need a Savior. I'm a sinner, (laughs) as we all are, and I need a Savior. If that's you this morning, I just want you to slip your hand up, right where you are. Slip your hand up if that's you. Okay, you guys can look up here. We're going to have some prayer teams that are going to come up here after the service. They're going to be up here. And if you do need to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior this morning, they'll be able to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything else, healing, relationship, these prayer teams will be ready to pray with you. But I encourage you this morning, who is the Lord putting on your heart? Who have you been thinking about as I've been sharing? Who is it that your heart breaks for and burdens for that you don't want to see tormented but you want to see rejoicing alongside of you with Jesus for all eternity? Oh. Go
0: ahead. I just wanted to come up here and share something. Um, I am not an extrovert. I know that's surprising to some people um, because I can be very gregarious and I can be very talkative and very social. I walk this line, like literally on the line between introvert and extrovert. And I struggle with this. And um, But I really have this big heart to be a good girl. And so a long time ago when we were at a church in Hermitage we took a course in evangelism, and it really empowered people, and it empowered me. And it made me feel like I knew what to do, and so I went into this shoe store, man, and I was, like, ready to go, and it was, like, the most awkward, horrible situation I'd ever gotten myself in. It started out okay, but it just got more and more awkward, and what happened was is I was just so eager, I was just so eager to be a good girl that I just, like, got way out ahead of the Holy Spirit. And so if you, fa- like, fast forward to um, sometime within the past three or four years, I was getting blood work done, and I think that I may have been pregnant with Maggie May. And the woman was taking my blood, and she was just overwhelmed and shocked, as many people are, you know, you're pregnant with your eighth baby, you know, like, whoa. And, and I, I wanted to give glory to God because I don't like when people, ra- like, try to raise me up like I'm something that I'm not you know, like, you must be so patient. Nope, not really. Um, and so I, I tried to give glory to God, and I tried to bring Jesus in the conversation, and it was so awkward again. Like, again, it was, it was really just, it felt so awkward, and it didn't go well, and I left feeling so low. I mean, I was upset. I was mad at myself. Um, it brings tears to my eyes. I was just so upset with myself. Like, Liz, what is wrong with you? You're the most awkward person on the planet. And so I drive home and I walk into my house and in my house, there are men bringing a freezer in from Lowe's, like a stand-up freezer. And they're getting it down in our basement where it belongs. And somehow I come down just as this guy is talking to Jason about the situation he's in. I don't know how the whole thing came up, but he was in a position where he had to raise his grandchild because his daughter's boyfriend broke both of the baby's legs, and so I mean, it's we're talking like this this horrible situation, and he's telling us about it, and we are we begin to minister to him in a way that's just very, it was just it was just very generic, it was just loving and kind and just and and um, and just kind of ministering to him. And I went back upstairs, and out my kitchen window, I could see them bringing the old freezer up, and the Holy Spirit just so fast go and pray for him. And it wasn't hard and it wasn't awkward. I marched right out there in my landscaping and stood in the weeds and said, you know what, I just wanna pray for you. Would it be okay if we would just pray for you because you you have been given a huge assignment and you can't do it alone any more than we can do it alone. And he just, yes. And we prayed for him and the, the, the boy, the young man who was helping him with the freezer and it was a Holy Spirit moment. And I just felt the Lord teaching me. He was teaching me that day. He was just teaching me that I'm with you and I will quicken you. I, and I love how Philip was quickened That's to right. the situation. Right. You know, and if you, go, if you go from here with this sense of, oh, oh, I got to share more. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it Right. I gotta be more like Jason. He's so dynamic up there. It's not gonna go well. It's not gonna go well. But if it's always, it always comes back to trusting in the Holy Spirit, trusting in the Father, and being who He created you to be, and really hear, being attuned to Him, hearing Him, and being willing to move and to act when He calls us to move and act. So. I don't know what the lesson there is, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he has appointments for us. He has appointments for us to share the gospel. He has relationships in place already that I think about that phone call you got. I mean, you've been in relationship with that person for years. There is no mystery who you are and what you believe, but you never had to preach it. You did live it. And when the time came when there was trouble, man, that person knew right who to call. Same person I would call if I was in trouble. Um, So there is this beautiful balance. There's no formula. There's no formula. We love to kind of try to take the Bible and turn it into a really set list of rules and formulas, and it doesn't ever work. It doesn't ever work. So go forth from here and know that we walk in relationship with a loving Heavenly Father, and there are assignments, and there's missions He has for us, and times He's appointed for us, and I don't want to miss a single one. I don't want to miss a single one because there's blessing in it for me. Not because, not because there's some quota and I'm be, I'm behind, you know, or I'm unqualified. It, it just flips it all on its heel and it turns it into something of, all right, Lord, what do you have for me today? Because it's going to be exciting, and it's going to be right, and it's, He's going to be right in the midst of it, and there will be ministry that happens on behalf of the Lord Jesus, Amen. and then lives will be changed and transformed.
1: Amen. So. Good work. Okay, guys, just bow your heads with me. I just want to read this, uh, say this benediction over you guys, and we'll dismiss. And the prayer teams will come up. As you are doing that, I would just encourage you this week to be reading Psalm ninety-one. I know we got our own reading plans, but there is a lot going on out there, and there is stuff going on. I just want you to be continually encouraged by Psalm ninety-one. Read it every day this week. If you don't do anything else, do that. <clears throat> every day this week. But here's what I want to speak over you this morning. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, and the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us, that dunamis power. To him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen, amen. You are dismissed. If you need prayer, come on up. Have a wonderful afternoon. And youth, don't forget tonight, 6 o'clock, and the Luciano group at 6.30 here in the sanctuary.